Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to unique, fabulous, and scintillating people from across the globe that inspire comedians like you and me to live the comedy journey on our terms. Now, today's guest is a real, is the comedy equivalent of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he has, his name is Jeff. Like Jeff Stelling from Sky Sports Saturday News, um, Soccer Saturday, and his his surname is like the famous Liverpool comedian on Have a Word podcast, Adam Bow. <laughs> Please welcome, and he he is the founder of the Leicester Comedy Festival. It's not one of the best festivals in the country, and next year is going to be its thirtieth year. It's an absolute wonder. You're going to love him. Please welcome Jeff Rowe. <laughs> Hello. I that is the first time I have been introduced to anything using uh, sporting comparisons. I am the least sporty person uh, around. So most of what you just said, I I do know Adam Rowe, um, who stole my surname. Um, but other than that, your introduction meant virtually nothing to me. But I'm oh. assuming I'm assuming it was very kind and generous. So let's just stick with that and carry on. <laughs> you might have just insulted me massively. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, what a way to start the podcast. <laughs> well, you you started it. But, but like you you've so you've been like one of the biggest comedy festivals in the uk like you 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 founded and before the chat like you like to be the wondrous producer of events and you found the leicester comedy festival like what was it that made you the the connoisseur of the leicester comedy festival <laughs> stupidity oh. uh, i uh okay um so I'll tell you the story of how we started. I think that's what you that's what you want. Um, so I I first promoted my first. I was really into music when I was growing up, right? And um, I promoted my first live music show when I was thirteen because in the village where we lived, um, where my family lived, um, was really boring for me and my friends, and there was nothing for us to do, and we were all bored. So I said. Um, I'm going to put on a concert and then we can all go to the concert and have a nice time. And um, so I came home from school, age 13, and said to my mum and dad, I'm going to organise a concert. And they should have said, don't be so ridiculous, you're age 13, but they didn't. They said, OK. So throughout my teenage years, I, um, I promoted uh, very small live gigs, music gigs. And um, I wanted to become a music promoter. That was my kind of aspiration, I suppose. Um, I've been to a few music festivals, but I mean, nothing major really. So anyway, I then um, decided to come to, uh, I lived in London for a year working for a band that I knew. And then I came to Leicester to study at university to study arts, what it was then called arts administration. That's how long ago it was. Um, and I wanted to come and do a degree and get a degree in arts administration and then go on to become a music promoter. 
in our final year of our three-year course, um, we had throughout the degree, it was very practical. So we had lots of placements and lots of um, practical things that we did. And in the final year, we had to do a practical project. We had to sort of put on an event. So in the summer of 93, the sort of last term of our second year, our lecturers came to us and said, what would you like to put on? So I was a big music fan. A lot of people on our course were massive music fans. So we read a magazine called NME every week, New Musical, New Musical Express. And that was our Bible. And we loved music and it was really important. And NME started to talk about comedy, live comedy, stand up call it what you will. And, and I remember reading about this thing called stand-up comedy and it felt really exciting. Um, it felt, you know, the phrase comedy is a new rock and roll was coined. It's a bit of a cliche, but it did feel like this real thing that was happening and it was really exciting. The other thing that happened was in 93, NME put Rob Newman and David Baddiel on their cover. And that, I mean, it sounds mad now to say this, but it was revolutionary, right? The NME putting a comedian on the front cover of what was a music magazine was extraordinary. Um, and Newman and Baddiel sold out or sold lots of tickets for a massive arena gig. And that was also, that was never, Victoria Wood had done it, Billy Connolly had done it, but, but for sort of stand-ups, um, young stand-ups that was extraordinary so it was very exciting so we met as a student group and we were talking about what we were going to do and actually it wasn't me but somebody else in our group said why don't we put on a comedy festival this is it seems that it's very exciting and um why don't we do that and so we all said okay why you know why not it sounded really exciting we you know yes all right we, none of us have promoted comedy before hardly any of us had really seen very much live comedy before we didn't know any comedians or agents or managers but we didn't let any of that put us off and so we did it the first one in february 94 was part of my degree i mean we 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 um we had to write reports about it and got, we got marked by our lecturers as part of our degree um so that's how it's that's how the first one started and um, and how I got into it, I suppose, was by by um, well, not by mistake, but just by accident, because somebody said, let's put on a comedy festival and it sounded really exciting. I suppose what then happened was we graduated and I didn't really want to move back to London, um, which was the kind of obvious place to go to. I suppose I could have gone to places like Manchester or Brighton or whatever, but I, I, through no real desire to stay in Leicester, but just I kind of did stay in Leicester. And then myself and two friends who were on the course and started the first festival, in the absence of any employment or any other prospects, really, we said, well, that thing that we did in February was really popular. Should we do it again? Um, and And we did, and we kind of as a almost as a hobby really I mean we, we went into the office every day and you know and all that and we sort of thought it was a job but looking back on it it probably wasn't and then the thing that happened was in the second year we got £25,000 sponsorship which at the time felt like a lot of money it still is a lot of money but um, we, we, we got that and then various other things happened and it sort of all felt like it was becoming a bit serious 
Um, and it was just, it was just really fun. It was, I mean, it was serious in terms of the festival was growing and everything, but it was really enjoyable. And I, I didn't really think about it, to be honest with you. I don't really think I thought about getting a proper job or I was working behind bars and venues and, and stuff in the city. And that was how I earned my money. And I was just having a great time. Um, and that repeated itself for a number of years before I kind of thought, oh, okay, well, this is sort of becoming more and more, um, well, I was going to say successful. It was becoming bigger and the impact it was having was bigger. And um, it took me ages to work out that I could do it as a sort of job, I suppose. And the idea of doing it for 30 years was just not on my radar at all. When did it sort of surprise you and be like, wow, this is like, boom, like, this is going to be my main thing. Like, this is going to, like, when did it become your main thing? When yeah, well, the, 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 the depressing, the depressing truth, and I'm saying that because it's depressing for anyone that's sort of watching and thinking, I've just started, how long does take, how, how long does it take for something to get to start? to the point where you think, oh, okay, this is this is happening. It probably took me 10 years. Um, I remember when we were 10, we did a party in Edinburgh, at the Edinburgh Fringe for the industry. Um, and a lot of people came and it was a great party. It was really fun. And, um, and that, at that point, I sort of thought, oh, okay, it's kind of working. It's sort of, um, and at that point, I did some work to try and um, make sure that the festival was more sustainable and more secure for the future, I suppose. Uh, not with a view for it running for 30 years, but just it just became a bit more structured, I suppose, in the way that we, that we ran it. But, I mean, I'm saying all of this, there were loads of people that were involved in those early years, you know, people who volunteered for the festival, um, board members, industry people, um, staff, you know, it's, um, it's important, I think, that people understand that there were other people that were um, stupid enough to encourage me to keep, keep, to keep doing it and were passionate about the festival. Um, people loved it. I think people still do love it. And that is why we keep doing it. With the, with the, with the, with the Leicester Fret comedy festival as a whole how many slots can people do like is it only a couple that they can do so it's changed over time most most of the time um acts will they'll kind of do last i mean it's changed because of the pandemic and everything but they'll kind of do last year's show and then they'll do a work in progress of the next show. So if if Edinburgh is the model, and I know for a lot of people it isn't anymore, but if it is, um, that's what a lot of people will do. And then also there's quite a lot of sort of mixed bill shows and um, uh, that kind of thing that people can pick up and do it. So the festival at the moment is 19 days long. Um, most people, well, no, not most people, most people probably come and do a show and then go but there's a significant proportion of people that do the festival who are around for two or three days, do a couple of shows, do a few mixed bill nights and, and then head home, wherever that may be. If I was to be a scientist and a mathematician on this, yeah. how many hours and how much time does it take to get things in order for the festival? Because I can imagine 
you probably don't feel it because it's like a passion of yours but if you were to put it into numbers how how would it be the ten thousand hours thing but in 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 like a year in one year <laughs> it takes um so it I, I hope this answers your question it takes about 18 months to put the festival together so in theory we should be working on the 24 festival so where are we now we're in september now i don't know when this is going to go out but we're in september having this chat in theory we should be thinking about 24 um not in any great detail but um when we started when we started most of the festival was put together in a sort of eight months i suppose from start to finish um but in those days uh you could go to edinburgh in august and still book successful well-known comedians that autumn um and the idea of booking them for february was quite a long way ahead if that makes sense now if you want to book certainly bigger names um a lot of people have their commitments all sorted out 18 months ahead if not more um so you know and we know that because there's already what we're in september 22 so there's already shows on sale for autumn 23 i imagine around the you know big arena shows and all that kind of stuff so the whole time scale of of comedy i don't know about other live entertainment has ex, has extended massively so it's about 18 months but that would include you know raising all the sponsorship money raising all the funding um uh, securing venues you know all that kind of stuff it's not just programming in the festival in fact that's the that's the smallest amount of our job because less the comedy festival works a bit like the edinburgh fringe in that there's a zillion other promoters and producers and venues who are putting on stuff as under the umbrella of Leicester Comedy Festival. We don't book it all. Um, uh, that would be that would be madness for one organisation to book 900 shows in 19 days. It would be it would it, it wouldn't work. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. Is what? But for for someone that that if someone's I don't know, goes, Daddy, I want to set up a festival, but they've never set up a festival. <laughs> but they, like, what what are the misconceptions you often get from people ask you about festivals? And what is the, what are those process you usually go to to put it together before it equals, before it gets to February? Is it like, I don't know, I remember I used to do web development. Is it like a system analysis and design model where it's, constantly <laughs> going around or is it like it's uh it's a lot of luck um and it's a lot of experimentation and risk taking i think if you if you're not into i'm not just talking about financial risk but if you if you if you don't want to you have to evolve the festival it has to evolve it has to experiment it has to take risks it has to screw things up it has to fail you know um in order for it to remain relevant i think i think there are the, my big bugbear about some festivals is that they are incredibly repetitive um so festivals are supposed to be vibrant and exciting and energetic right and all that sort of stuff um 
So I think uh, part of my answer to your question is around keeping it not exciting necessarily, but different, trying things out. Um, and the other thing I would say is, and this is, it's a bit of a cliche, um, but there's three words in the title of Leicester Comedy Festival, Leicester and Comedy and Festival. And we have tried really hard to put a balance on those three things. I think an awful lot of festivals just focus on the programme, who's on stage, when, what's happening. Um, and I think they neglect or they can neglect the place that they're in um, and the fact that it's supposed to be festive and exciting and different and all the stuff I just talked about. So um, I don't know whether this is answering your question, but it, it's, it's important for anyone that wants to start a festival, whatever art form it is, um, it's really important to think about those things and not just the comedy, the dance, the music, the puppetry, the kids shows, whatever it is that the festival is about. Um, to think more widely than that, I suppose. And that was the point when things started to really happen for Leicester Comedy Festival is when we put an emphasis on those three things rather than just the comedy. Um, so it means I, you know, as festival director, I would in the past talk to all sorts of people in the city about the importance of the comedy festival. Um, and they may not, so, you know, the Bishop of Leicester, the, the chief constable, the person who runs the hospitals, the, the, the city council, you know, all these people are supportive of Leicester Comedy Festival because they kind of understand the impact it makes as a festival. Um, and that's nothing about booking Jimmy Carr to do a show for us or whoever it may be. It's about the broader picture. Does that make sense? It's, it's a, for two months or the month that it's on, it's supposed to bring light to the city, bring joy, and it's supposed to be a fun thing that gives energy to the city. It's not just uh, something to get money uh, for artists to get audiences or the things. And you feel that a lot of festivals are very accountant-like. Well, no, some, not some, some. Some of them, they're either accountant-like or they are... We are, uh, I think we are very fortunate. So like the Edinburgh Fringe, an awful lot of festivals promote all of their shows. So we've got, we're a festival in, in X city and we've got four shows on tonight and they all are promoted by us. And two of them have sold out. One of them's doing okay. And the fourth one is, is dying on its ass. And so our primary focus is to get bums on seats because we have to pay the acts and we have to make the books balance at the end of the festival. So I totally understand why some festivals, if they have that model, would just focus on selling tickets. What I've just talked about, whether the Bishop of X city knows that the festival is happening, no one cares because we've just got to get an audience in. We don't work like that because our model is more like the Edinburgh Fringe. So if you were a promoter at Leicester Comedy Festival of a show, you would be the one desperately trying to sell tickets for your show tonight that's dying on its ass. We would help you and support you and all of that in any way that we can. But it's down to you. We can focus on that festival atmosphere and the vibrancy and, the, you know, you just talked about joy and life and light and stuff to the city. We can focus on those kind of things um, more than some festival organisers can because they, they have to sell tickets. 
Um, so, but that vibrancy in the city, we're not, it's not there yet, right? After 30 years, so this is the second bit of depressing news, is even after 30 years, it still isn't quite where I would like it to be. It's pretty good, but we still have people who say, oh, Leicester's a bit dead during the festival and no one knows it's happening. And, you know, that does, we also have people saying, oh my God, it's everywhere and we can't miss it. So, um, uh, but we focused a lot on the vibrancy and that's really important because if you come to Leicester during Leicester Comedy Festival, I want you to know that there's a festival on. You might not come to a show and that doesn't matter to me, but I want you to know that something's happening and it feels different. You want to feel like you're you're doing like supposing you're having a Big Mac. Oh, no, no, I can't say that because you're. <laughs> <laughs> you're t- t- if you're having so fine, I'll a say vegan it. burger. Come on, it's not that difficult. Right, a vegan burger from McDonald's. Like, without the the sauce, I used to work in McDonald's at one point. They used a little sauce gun to add the sauce. Without the sauce, which is what you do, imagine this. Leicester is the burger. You yep. guys are the source that sprinkles it up. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I've been, I like you, like a little bit, I've been, city centre festivals are very different to greenfield sites. So when I talk about festivals, I nearly always, unless I'm explicit, I'll talk about city centre building-based indoor festivals, right? If we're talking about Glastonbury, it's very different. But I've been to festivals in very, in lots of places, and you arrive at the train station or however, and you sort of feel like you've, you've got, you know, I'm going to this festival and that's exciting. And then you look around and there's no branding at all. And you get into a taxi maybe, and you say, and the taxi driver says, oh, what are you doing here? And I say, oh, I'm coming to this festival. And they go, never heard of it. Then you get to the hotel and there's no, you just feel like, am I, am I the only person who's come to this festival? Ah. You, you, need to, you need to arrive and there's some branding, there's some stuff around, you get into a taxi, people know what you're talking about, you know, it's it seems like oh i've come to, if you went to a party your mcdonald's analogy if you went to a party and you turned up and the lights were off the house was in darkness you knock on the door no one answers somebody eventually answers and you say i'm here for the party and they go mm. you kind of would walk away wouldn't you and you'd go this is going to be a terrible party the same is true for festivals uh- You've got a picture. You've put a picture of me with the advertisement of the Grateful Dead, the the musician. <laughs> but it, it's different to what people do now to get an audience to build things. But it, it like now people use a lot of social media and they use up videos. And I'm supposing like when you were building a festival before, the method was about community and like getting an emotional connection, like yeah. you do with Grateful Dead did. Uh, but with social media, how would you, what what would you say is the way you do that with things changing in regards to social media and digital? I know it helps you reach more people, but I've found sometimes when I'm running a comedy show, just handing out a flyer has has gotten me better results than digital marketing. Right? Yeah. So. Um... I think social media is about, um, well, I can only really talk about the festival because that's all I kind of know really. So I don't, I don't know what it's like in regular comedy clubs or, or even really, I mean, I know a bit about what it's like for comedians, but certainly in terms of the comedy festival, it's, it's 
if there's a this is where I do sound like a bit bit boring but if you know what the DNA of the comedy festival is Leicester Comedy Festival right and I've talked about the importance the equal importance of Leicester and comedy and festivals and you and you know that you want to get that vibrancy you you mentioned community a minute ago you know you you want to get all of that um what we've tried to do is reflect all of that on social media so it isn't it sometimes is about there's a show on tonight will you come please buy a ticket but it's also about building growing your brand it's about growing the dna of what you do and i would suggest that always trying to promote stuff and sell tickets is not if that you it wouldn't work like that um so you engage with people you um you comment on what else is happening in the sector you um kind of you, you join in i suppose you know you, you you play a role um you play a part in the bigger picture um and i think that you know you run comedy clubs um but you need to figure out what your let's say i sound really boring but you need to send out you need to find out what your overall aims are and what you're trying to do otherwise you'll just be churning out the whole time please come please come please come please come that's a bit tedious really um so you need to you need to reflect your dna on socials as much as you do in real life i think so you're saying it's a bit like when you're inviting someone up for a date or something don't just say would you like to come you want to say like we're going to do this we're going to do i don't know darts or snooker or something i don't know <laughs> like you're good yes like you got to say you got to well and just say please come along give them a reason to come along yeah yeah and and i mean this is this is this is old stuff that i was taught probably when i was at university in marketing lectures but you have to sell the benefit why should people come you know um and i think particularly with comedy um i don't know about about you but one thing it doesn't happen so much now and i think that's because of social media and if you go to a show you can very easily find out the name of the performers that were on because you just look online and even if you have to go back in time it's easy to find out that somebody was on last night at a comedy club in essex or something um but pre social media so many people would um would say oh what do you do for a living oh i run a comedy festival oh i went to a comedy fest a comedy show once oh did you did you enjoy it yeah i loved it it was brilliant oh and so i'm saying who's who was on who did you see oh it was a bloke uh, you you'll know him he's got blonde hair glasses <laughs> probably about five foot eight nine something like that and i'd go and what did he talk about give me a clue of his material <laughs> Um, oh, it was really funny. It was really, you, you'd know him. You'd absolutely, he, he was hilarious. So the point being, I think quite often, and I'm not saying this about you necessarily or anybody, but quite often people will go, we've got Nick Helm on Friday. We've got Nick Helm on Friday. We've got Nick Helm on Friday. It's like a lot of people will know, know who Nick Helm is. Um, but if you sell the benefit of people going to the show, that's where I'm going. And then that's often, I think, better. Um so as you say it's it's selling what why people should come 
how they feel, what the benefit is, um, as well as saying we've got some brilliant acts. Because increasingly, people don't really care. I don't think if you want to go and see Nick Helm, who's brilliant, by the way, you'll go and see Nick Helm. Um, but there's loads of other comedians that no one's ever heard of that they'd love. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's about doing all that, I think, on social media. And I think that probably the same is true with the comedians. You know, I don't think I think comedians are great generally at socials. Um, because they don't just say, come and see me on Friday, I'm in Essex, you know, it's, 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 they're more creative than that, particularly post pandemic. Hmm. They recognise the need for, I mean, so many comics would be criticising Zoom gigs, you know, when they yeah. realised none were there, they, they got involved. Yeah, yeah. If, so, with the Leicester Comedy Festival itself, do, do you go and watch a lot of shows as well? Like, do you, like, throughout the festival? You go and watch comedians that you're a fan of, like do you explore new talent as well? Or... Within Leicester Comedy Festival. Yeah. No. Um, I wish I wish that was the case. Um, I mean, years ago, when it was smaller, I would probably be at every show. Um, but that would just be impossible now. And um no, uh, I mean one of one of the downsides of my job is i get to see hardly anything um all the way through i'll i'll try and see as much as i can as in bits of shows but i get i don't get a chance to see hardly anything all the way through um and uh i do see increasingly a lot of shows online um but pre-covid we would go to other festivals and see stuff i think I think a lot of, we might come on to this in a bit, but I think a lot of acts, I think there's a lot more that comedians can make of festivals. And I'm not just saying that because I run a comedy festival. Um, because you probably know I'm going to be stopping running Leicester Comedy Festival in March of next year. So this is my last year. So I have no vested interest in promoting festivals particularly. But um, uh, I think festivals are for acts are a really good way into the industry. And I think acts focus more on club nights because they're year round i get i kind of get that and open mic nights and all that kind of stuff but i think even just going to festivals as a as a punter even though you might be a comedian is a really economical way of seeing a load of stuff meeting people um and and and, and all of that i think i'm getting off your point so i'll shut up but um we do see we do see a fair amount of stuff it's in in what what sort of um what would you say you say it's an economical way of like meeting people and like getting we say getting better as a comic and growing your audience well uh, if you're performing yeah sure i mean actually one of the we did some research a few years this was pre for covid but we did some research a few years ago and one of the benefits that comedians had of doing Leicester comedy festival is that your social uh followers go up considerably um almost across the board um and that i think is quite important um but so if you're performing yeah for sure um you get you get to try out your material in front of a different sort of audience um i think most of the people that come to shows at leicester are are the public rather than the industry or your friends or other promoters um there are promoters and agents hanging around the festival. We have industry events. Um, but I think, as I say, even if you just went as a, 
as a as a member of the public, although although you are a comedian. You know, we have 900 shows in the festival, or we did pre-COVID, so we'll see what happens next year because entries are still coming in, people are still registering shows now. Um, but there'll probably be about 900 shows. So even if you came as a member of the public, you could see an awful lot. And I think for comedians, one of the really important things is that you see as much other stuff as possible. Because um, I know that, you know, performing in clubs can sometimes be a pretty soulless thing. You know, you turn up at... There's, a, there's four acts on, five acts on. You're told to turn up at nine o'clock. You turn up at nine o'clock, you do your set. You're probably feeling a bit tired. You might not watch the other acts on that night and you might just go home. Um, uh, and and the promoter's probably really busy running the show or teching it or something. And so might not have a chance to talk to you. It, it can be really difficult, I think. Whereas within a festival, you've, all, you, you've just got more opportunities to chat to people. Yeah. And well, it's funny, and it's sometimes I, there's a lot of the comics that I've seen that have gone ahead, and this is not like I say they they work hard, but a lot of the times it's been smarter in the way they do things rather than like out hard work. Like what you know, people now we promote hustlers like David Goggins, and like if you ain't working hard, you're not working at all. But the ones that I've seen have gone ahead have been very tactile and very clever in the way they do things rather than just pure work working hard. Yeah, I think you need that balance between being smart and also getting stage time. I mean, you, you know, as a as a emerging comedian or new comedian or whatever, you you have to you have to get on stage and do it um, as much as you possibly can. But yes, I think you need to have your an eye on the fact that you don't have to jump at every opportunity and um, and trying to be dare I say, strategic about it and have a sort of five-year plan um, is, a, is a really good idea. If, sorry. With what you've said earlier about festivals being quite economic and sort of networking and learning opportunities, I've got an image of my head of like, I don't know, a comic in a bar in a Leicester Comedy Festival chilling out and they find out they're like sat next to an agent and they're, they're chatting to them. They get on quite well with them. And it turns out, I don't know, the agent likes them. He, they like each other. And then he, they give the business card and then it's sort of, they go and watch them in a show and then they get signed or something. Has anything on that sort of like a surprise or chance meeting happened with any comedians in the festival where they've like had that and then boom, an opportunity's come. I mean, yeah, loads. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean that you know. Um, I, I'm I'm probably not going to give you any names, but um, okay. uh, yeah, I mean that. Yes, that's that's what happens at festivals, um, or some festivals, not all of them, but some of them. And it certainly happens here, um, and also you know the 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 industry is pretty small. There are. I don't know. I haven't counted them. There's probably 20 agents and managers that are significant. There's probably more than that around. But um, so it's not a very big world, really. Um, and uh, word spreads really quickly. So if, you know, even if you're sat in a bar and you're sat next to an agent, your story a minute ago, and then you suddenly find out who they are and all that sort of stuff. Um, even if they don't sign you, they still know who you are. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I mean that happens. We've we've had shows that have come to Leicester and maybe have been. We do an awards process during the festival where people get there's an, a, an awards panel made up of members of the public who go and see every show that wants to be seen, and then we do an awards ceremony after the festival. Um, loads of shows and loads of comedians have, have been spotted by the awards panel and then you know suddenly they're they're going to edinburgh for example and then they get nominated for the edinburgh comedy award or they get on telly or um that that happens that's happened loads um i mean there's loads of comedians that i could name who i saw doing half an hour in leicester to eight people and are now massive um uh happens all the time what from like from being a festival organizer what what are things you noticed in comics that have really stood out and gone forward like really made something themselves is there any sort of magic thing that you see like they have a wonky eye or a mustache <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what's uh, wrong? Uh, <laughs> no um I think, I think you just, lots of people ask me this, lots of people say, you know, can you spot talent? Um, I think the answer to that is yes, you can. Um, and I think you can do it pretty quickly. The next question then is, well, what, tell me what those things are. And that is really difficult because it's, it's thing, I mean, of course it's material, um, it's originality, it's stage presence, it's confidence, it's your relationship with the audience. Um, it's all of those things and more. But I think, I think uh, I'm not gonna help answer your question because I can't really tell you which of those things it is, but it's that mix. And I think, I have been asked it many times before, I think part of the answer is you, you have to, a, an audience has to get it like within the first 30 seconds, maybe minute. So they either have to get, oh, right, okay, this is like puns. This is pun, 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 pun. I get that. Or it's this person is hilarious. Or it's, oh, they're a character. Um, uh, or they, it might be, oh my God, I'm absolutely terrified. I've no idea what this person is about to do, but I'm in. Um, and there is something fizzy about that. And, and I think you only get that by, as I said earlier on, being on stage an awful lot and doing an awful lot of shows. Um, but you know, there's, there's certain jokes that are done in this style over here, die on their ass. And then a comedian comes back in two years time and is doing the same, exactly the same material, but in a completely different way. Might be as a character, might be with different costume, different confidence, whatever, um, and it works. Um, so I don't know whether that answers your question or not, but I think, I think you can tell. Um, I think I can tell. Um, but you can't pinpoint it. You just get a feeling like you, what's what's like 
would I be able to ask this though? What's what's the feeling you often get when you see someone that stands out? Do you go, ooh, that's different? Do you go like when someone sees someone hot on the street or something, their head turns a bit. Do you do you what's your thing when you see an act where you go, ooh? Yeah. Is it yeah, just a surprise um, or is it like uh, I've not seen that before? Oh. I think it depends on the circumstances that I'm in. Sometimes, if I'm completely honest, it'll be relief. It'll be, oh, they've really got something. Um, um, I think, uh, so yeah, part, partly relief. Um, you, you said somebody, if you see somebody hot on the street or something, you know, if you, if you, if you want to rent a flat or buy a house, you know, very often people will say, I just had a feeling it felt ah. wrong. Um, it felt nice. It, you know, I don't I can't tell you why this house is any better than this house, but it was just felt I had a I had a feeling. And it's probably the same thing. And I, there are there are a, a number, probably a good number of acts over the years that I've seen where you you just. They just I think confidence is a huge amount. It's it, it, the audience has to believe that you're going to nail it. Um, and if the audience think, oh, don't know, then you at worst have just completely lost them. Um, and then you're just knackered, really. Um, and I think, I don't know, I don't know whether a lot of new comedians think that they just have to write brilliant jokes and then it'll all be fine. Um, you know, it's a performance at the end of the day, isn't it? So, um, yeah, uh, relief, excitement, definitely excitement. When I when I see somebody who absolutely nails it, you, it it still is exciting, even after thirty years. You just it's it's there's a real buzz about it, and sometimes I'm going, oh my god, this is brilliant, and the audience are going, what on earth are they doing? That <laughs> That's happened quite a lot. When and then after the show, I've been going. Did you see that? They were amazing, and everyone will look at me as if to say, "Really? Did you see <laughs> what the audience were doing?" And I'm like, "Yes, I don't care what the audience are doing. I just think they were wonderful." So um, that happens. And you said like, it, you could be in a full of room of people that like pie and mash, whilst you you you're vegetarian, so you're. <laughs> vegetarian fish and chips i want my corn alternative yes 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 just give me a corn kiev and i'll be happy <laughs> yeah no yeah I, I don't know i don't think that's arrogance i think it's just i think i think i'm i think a lot of people in the industry agents managers producers you can sort of see the potential so it might, you know, it might, it might be dying on its ass. Um, but there's something I said fizzy earlier on. There's something fizzy about what these people are doing on stage that you kind of go, ah, oh, right, okay, this is this is really special. Hmm. Not only is it entertaining, but is it are they, are they a bit like boxing promoters where they think I'm gonna get this kid for sixty odd million? And give him a tenner. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, is the what's what's a piece of advice you give a comic or anyone out there now, like looking to make 
a living from the creative arts it's not obvious because people say oh work hard do your own thing do what you enjoy stuff like that what's what's something that's unique to you where you people were like oh i didn't think of that um i think i think it's trying to think of how I say it without it sounding twee or naff. It's about, it's about relationships, I think. It's about people trusting you. So that is true for promoters. It's true for other comics. It's true for your audience. It's true for people that have never come to see you at all and probably won't. Um, I think... I think it's <clears throat> something about building relationships and building confidence and trust. I think, <clears throat> you know, I, I spoke earlier on about the fact, you know, the, the range of people that I would work with in terms of the comedy festival. And, and I'm, I'm as interested, I'm genuinely as interested in people locally who don't engage with the festival as much as I am with people that do. Um, and, and I think it's about, it is about building a brand. Um, so I don't know whether that's taught to people who are starting out comedy or not, but I think it's, um, you, you can't just tell jokes on stage. Yeah, it's not, it's not that, that word is, if it was ever true, has gone. Um, and particularly with social media and online stuff, you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to build that respect and trust with your audience. So I don't know whether that helps or not, but it's, um, it's it's I think it's really important. Um, and I think I was talking to somebody the other day about the music industry. I'd said earlier on I started in the music industry. A lot of bands, big successful bands, have a direct relationship with their audience. And I'm not talking about socials, I'm talking about they sell tickets directly to their audience. Richard Herring um, has a large fan base well not a massive fan base but a large fan base who love Richard Herring and he'll he'll sell them things and things like Patreon all of that kind of stuff is I think fascinating because now it's so much easier for you to have a direct relationship with your audience um, and I think that's critical um, in a way that wasn't even possible 30 years ago really because the technology wasn't there so that's the other thing I'd say is build build your relationship. It might even be tiny, um, but do, you know, practical things to do. Do regular newsletters to your audience. Don't just rely on socials. Build up a mailing list, however new you are. You know, you might only have five people on your mailing list, but it doesn't matter. They won't know that. Um, and communicate with people um, is really important. So in, in, it's all about, so you're saying now performers and artists need to focus more on not only being good at what you do, but making sure that you're building a product and, a, and like realize what your product is and build a relationship rather than just thinking of it selfishly of them coming to watch you think of like them as how can you make more friends? Yeah, if you like. Um... I mean, I'd also add into that, don't, so many comedians, new comedians, 
ask me about how they get an agent and and i think i think so much time and energy and disappointment is generated from trying to find an agent um increasingly there are acts who don't have agents um some very successful acts don't have agents and they just do it themselves really um i think if you grow your audience and you grow your market um and all of that uh people eventually will hopefully pay attention to you or you may not need them anyway but i think um certainly for live work i think it is well it's proved there are lots of comedians who don't have agents so i think i think that is often still i don't know you tell me i think it's often still the kind of aspiration of a lot of new and emerging comedians oh, i need to get an agent I need to get an agent I need to get an agent wow just if you spend that amount of time doing the stuff we're talking about you don't need one I think definitely getting an agent where or or like winning competitions like all oh, my emails won't get ignored if I win this competition or like going on the Apollo and like mock the week everything will be easy that, that they're the same main things that I hear about or people seem to want to do yeah 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 I think competitions are very useful I will say um as long as they are credible um there is no point um putting on your poster that the, you won the buckinghamshire's favorite comedian um 2022 um because uh, people won't care really um particularly the industry i mean we get that so that is one bit of advice if that's the right word to use we have quite a lot of comedians who will approach us and say oh i won the buckinghamshire favorite comedian 2022 um and I just go, oh, I don't know, I don't know what that is. But if you say you won, so you think you're funny, or you say you won some of the other competitions, um, I at least would go, oh, that's quite interesting. I've not heard of them. Oh, right, okay, that's who they are. Um, so I do think competitions can be very helpful and can also do what festivals do, which is you network with the other acts, you share stories, you share who are good promoters, who are good clubs to go to, you meet the judges. You know, you use it as an opportunity to extend your network as well as just entering the competition, I think. Oh, cool. And that's that's a great bit of nuggets for anyone listening up there. Get the notebook, write it down. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's true. The other thing, just whilst I think of it, um, do your research in advance for who you are approaching. So... Um, I've talked about the way Leicester Comedy Festival works and it works a bit like Edinburgh. We book hardly any comedians directly ourselves. So don't approach us direct um, and say, I'm a brilliant comedian. I won the Buckinghamshire Favourite Comedian 2022. I'm hilarious. Here's a link to my YouTube video. <coughs> um, this is what I've done. Blah, 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 blah. I really would like to be booked to perform at Leicester Comedy Festival because the answer will be, well, we won't book you for Leicester Comedy Festival. So you've wasted your time contacting us. You know, it's best to contact a promoter and say, um, I'm a comedian. Can you let me know if you're booking acts at the moment, for example? Um, yes or no. And they'll probably say, well, I'm booked up till Christmas, but I'm looking to next year far better to do that and have that conversation than just keep bombarding them with emails saying can you book me for september because they're booked till christmas so they're not going to book you for this september right so the point being is do your research in terms of who you're approaching because not 
every festival is run the same, not every club is run the same. Um, and it, from my point of view, it's just, it is a bit tedious to just have people contacting me saying they want to perform at Leicester Comedy Festival because if I know you and I've seen you and I've said, drop me an email and I'll help you, that's completely different. But just speculatively contacting people when you haven't done your research annoys people. Mm. It feels like a disres it's disrespect in a way. Well, it's just, it's just a waste of everybody's time. It's a waste of your time to email me. Um, and it's a waste of my time to read the email. So it's just point, you know, where the information is public. So competitions, for example, don't email, say you think you're funny, uh, to find out if you're eligible to enter. Look at the bloody website and read it, and it'll tell you what the criteria is, um, for example. And for, for, for anyone that's sort of listening now, like, how do they, ca can they drop you an email? <laughs> <laughs> So, but for anyone that's look, for anyone that's listening now, um, if they want to find out about you or they want to find out Leicester Comedy Festival, obviously they go on the website. But if they want to contact you for anything, what's the best way of finding out about you? And get in contact. So I don't mind in the slightest if people contact me on social media. So I'm on. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, which I know are quite old fashioned these days, but I'm, I am on Instagram, but I never use it. Um, but uh, you can do that and I'll give you my email address. Um, that's not a problem at all. Um, you know, I talked a minute ago about finding out, doing your research. So I hate organizing things via social media. I, so we can have a chat on social media, but then I much prefer to do everything on email because that's where I keep everything and it's all in one place. Um, so you can you can do that. Um, and uh, if you want to know about Leicester Comedy Festival, um, our bookings for the festival, well, the registrations finish at the end of September, the 30th of September. So um, you're either you've either got a bit of time if this is going out before then or you've missed the boat. Um, if it goes out after the 30th of September or you're listening to it um, after the 30th of September. But as I said at the beginning, we sort of plan about 18 months ahead. So you're not too early to contact us for 2024, um, which I know might sound a bit ridiculous, but I'm sort of serious. Um, um, and also, if you're thinking about Leicester Comedy Festival or any other festival in 24 or beyond, and I'm not trying, I'm not saying this because I want to sell tickets, but come to Leicester Comedy Festival 23, look at venues, find a space that's suitable for you, um, see how the festival works. Um, that's all part of doing your research. Otherwise, you'll rock up in 2024 and you have no idea about what's going on. So um, you can always do that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, both myself and the festival are reasonably freely available via google google guys use it <laughs> well do you just search i mean if you search for me on google i'm pretty sure my either my email address or my socials come up so cool. um, and leicester comedy festival has a website and you can find that it's not too difficult cool so that's if you want to find about jeff Rowe, or if you want to find out about leicester you know where to go I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. If you like it, share it with your friends, subscribe, 
and make sure you give a five star review on Amazon or iTunes because otherwise I'll be having words. <laughs> 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 uh, see you in the next episode, guys. <laughs>